2: It's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough reinvention. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you reinvent. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at pwc.com.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Everything is more exhilarating when you're on your motorcycle, just like your bike is more protected when you choose Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. They offer coverage for your bike, starting as low as $75 per year. And they keep things affordable with discounts like paid in full, multi-policy, and responsible driver. So raise your kickstands and get to quoting at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. $75 premium is for state minimum coverage. Not available in D.C. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
1: Streaming March 14th only on Disney Plus. This episode is brought to you by bumper.com. Buying a car doesn't have to be so intimidating. bumper.com is here for you, the buyers. With just a few clicks, it can help give you a comprehensive vehicle report that highlights any red flags. So, wherever you're buying a car from, whether it's a dealership or a used marketplace, you can go in knowing bumper.com has your back. Make your car buying experience smoother and smarter. Check out Bumper.com slash podcast. Hey,
4: everybody. What's going on? Josh Wigler here with another episode of the Westworld podcast here on Post Show Recaps. Welcome back to Westworld as we are continuing to talk about Season 4, Episode 4, Generation Loss, a seminal episode of Westworld. Too big for just one podcast. We have to continue unpacking it because there are some mind-blowing reveals here midway through Season 4. I'm joined here, of course, as always, by Mike Bloom. Mike, how are you feeling?
5: I'm feeling Refreshed? good, Josh. Yeah, I realize we're talking about Generation Loss, but are you and I talking about Generation Lost? <laughs> yep. Yeah.
4: We sure are over on the Down the Hatch Uh, podcast.
5: For the audio only people, which is literally everyone here, Josh visually facepalmed in response to that comment that I made.
4: Well, Mike, you and I actually tend to go cameras off for our podcasting, so you miss all the times that I facepalm as we're podcasting. I'm I'm pretty
5: sure your your hand might as well be like super glued to your face uh, while you're talking with me, just because that's the amount of times that it's going to be in contact with it.
4: Well, we are very lucky that we are joined by someone who can unsuperglue my hand from my face. I don't know. Uh, I don't think that that's exactly it. I was going to say somebody who is going to unsuperglue the twisty, turny narrative of Westworld right now with us. Uh, I believe this is her first time on the Westworld podcast, if I am not mistaken, making her first official remarks on the West World beat, <laughs> uh, one of my very favorite people to podcast with, and one of the brains who processes uh, narrative fiction better than almost anyone that I know. We are very, very lucky and very excited to have her on the podcast, Latanya Starks, LT. Bring yourself online.
6: Um, hello everyone. Hello I'm there. Just excited to you know uh, gain fidelity with all of you. Just really,
4: what would be your fidelity test, LT? Yeah, good question.
6: It would probably have something to do with like you know a a specific makeup look, you know, Uh like just looking fabulous or going to a wonderful place and experiencing something like a rooftop bar vibe, Uh, kind of thing. Lap of luxury,
5: yeah, yeah. So then, when Maya hands you the lipstick and you're off by just like a centimeter, then the test fails and your body gets incinerated and they start again.
6: Yeah. Yeah, basically it has been what my life is. Seafood um, Tower.
4: Seafood yeah. Tower at the rooftop bar.
6: Exactly. Can
4: you see the seafood tower is the question on the mind of Westworld right now.
6: That is a it's a really good question. Would you order a seafood tower in Westworld?
4: Um well yeah, but no. is the seafood is it robots? <laughs>
5: No, I'm not ordering a seafood tower. Like, there's the hot-ass sun is out all the time. In I got West bad world. news that's...
4: for you, Mike. That's everywhere now. Uh, so I guess that's, that's the, true. Yeah, Seafood, is, is, go- is, seafood is going
5: extinct in many ways. Uh, the well, the flies love seafood. They see food and they eat it. The food, in this case, being people's brains, apparently. Yes. So they're and, on a uh, seafood diet.
4: When Frankie eats, that is seafood. food. <laughs>
6: <laughs> got We'll it. just, we'll just be here all... There. Now my turn to
5: face, (laughs) Paul.
4: Yes, there we go. Uh, Full circle here. LT is joining us this week to break down your feedback, folks. You sent it in westworld at postshowrecaps.com. We also got uh, plenty of tweets as well. Sent our way to at postshowrecaps, at roundhoward, and at Bloom. Type. If you want to hit up Latanya. Latanya, how did they find you
6: on the Twitter bots? Find me at lk Starks. Just, you know, talking about pop culture um, horror movies, um, things I'm doing for post show recaps, things I'm doing for RHAP. Yeah, occasionally
4: Star Wars. The Star Wars engine is going to be revving back up here before we know it. With Andor at the end of August, Mike looks exhausted. Yeah, speaking
6: of Mike Bloom, uh huh, I'm going to do that speaking podcast Mike... with Mike Bloom. Yeah, yeah,
5: it's been it's been wild. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm grateful for the break between Obi Wan and Andor, and like I blink and we're already near the end of <laughs> July, and I'm like, my God, where has the time gone? Yeah. to?
4: Yeah, who is having the faster time jump? Mike Bloom from uh, end of from like mid June to end of August from Obi Wan to Andor, or mm-hmm. Caleb from getting shot and killed twenty three years ago to waking up as a robot twenty three years later.
6: Well, it, it depends on what your definition of is is. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question because we. As far as we know, we're operating on one timeline, you know, but the show is operating on several different timelines, so it's difficult to say.
4: It's hard to say. It's hard to know. We're going to try and untangle it all here. First and foremost, before we get into episode four itself, Latanya, I would love to just get your broad stroke takes on, I guess, Westworld over. I don't know that you and I have ever really talked about Westworld before.
6: No, we haven't. And then when I when I tried to that one time, you were like, Save it for the podcast. Uh-huh,
4: yeah. We were about to have a conversation the <laughs> other day. I was like, No, come on the podcast. We'll talk about it then.
5: Yeah. Uh I've that's this... often that's oftentimes many conversations held with Josh Wegler, by the way. Yeah. He's like, Listen, I'll inevitably talk with you on a microphone. So don't say yeah. anything about exactly. any T V at yes. all in
4: case I exactly. have you know a that's guess. it. Yeah.
6: Save it for the podcast. Yes. Um I'm like, I I don't know. I need a friend, but that's fine. Um no, I'm just kidding. It it's been a show that i started watching from the very beginning i love anything um from an ai perspective i'm not really sure why that is but for whatever reason it is i've always kind of tended to um side with the technology just in terms of didn't ask to exist and now it's got its own sentience kind of thing um and then to witness all of the atrocities that happened in season one alone. It's just like, okay, you understand why there is a big reason that these AI who are, you know, proven to be more capable than human beings in every way would eventually rise up and take over. Um, It just seems like once you create the technology, you've kind of created the inevitability that it's going to take over. Yeah. So I've always been interested in, ideas um around uh sci-fi i'm kind of a sucker for anything that has like a a nolan whether it's the one who has the british accent or the one who doesn't um (laughs) yeah questions (laughs) yeah so yeah and i also like lsat like vocabulary words (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even the brain's all sharp, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Jonah,
5: Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy just look at a word-a-day calendar and say, how can I incorporate this into my script of my prestige television right. show?
4: Yeah, exactly. uh, not quite an LSAT word, but just as we're on the subject, I today I learned that Mob
5: World is called the Temperance Park. Really? Is that real? Yeah, it's, I it's like odd. It. I like thought it's that it's they odd. didn't go with the, the world side of things. I guess it's a true rebrand, right, of, okay, the world stuff is done. I want people to forget about that. Now we just go with one word. It's like it's like a Prince-esque thing, right? Yeah. The park formerly known as Westworld. Even though, again, part of <laughs> Temperance's narrative is the secret narrative of you get to experience what it was like for this mass genocide of people in the park previously.
4: Yeah. I just don't feel like Temperance Park is like super marketable. But, I mean, I get it. It fits the era and all of that stuff. Um, season 4 specifically, LT. People mm-hmm. are saying Season 4 is is a bounce back season for Westworld. Do you agree or disagree with the take?
6: I agree. I think it's kind of a return to form uh for to season 1 form where you know you have the multiple timeline thing uh, going on, but it's a lot more simplified in this season. In my opinion, uh a lot more accessible to a wider audience. Um maybe they're not just trying to see what um come up on like message boards anymore Uh and they're actually like writing again to what the audience might understand or identify with um i I, so i have personally enjoyed this season a lot more than i enjoyed season three
4: yeah um how did you feel about this week's episode this week's episode feels like a real hinge piece right where Mm -hmm. we've been trying to like line up some of the timeline stuff we have uh you know a lot of clarity even as it's mystifying this week that Caleb is existing at some point 23 years after what we had seen him and Maeve undergo. Maeve has been buried uh, for 23 years. Bernard, when he returns from his trip to the digital afterlife, is now in this 23-year-later timeline. And the world has apparently been conquered by Tessa Thompson, which in many ways sounds like a dream, but (laughs) apparently is a nightmare (laughs) for the humans of Westworld. Uh, are you are you vibing with this? Were you shocked by any of this?
6: I was shocked by it. I really I think it's because part of it is because I wasn't expecting a twist that big to come so early in the season. We're at episode four of uh, are, are there 10 or eight episodes? gonna be season? eight. Yeah. OK, so it's a halfway point, I guess. I guess I just wasn't expecting things to happen so quickly. And then all of a sudden we get this huge twist that kind of makes me lose hope like a lot of hope for humanity um considering that you know it the the last of the quote-unquote free humanity is just kind of like looking for stuff in the desert I guess yeah I don't I don't get it
4: seafood wherever they can find it Mike
5: (laughs) well especially compared to the end of season three right where it's a bit hopeful where, again, you have the pseudo-fight club anarchist ending of Maeve and Caleb standing over, you know, building the exploding, Rehoboam is dead. Essentially, the, the symbolic gesture that Dolores helped offer them is like, well, now the humans are unshackled from this system and the powers that be determining what the rest of their lives are going to be. So to now jump from that of like, nothing but hope, open promises, open fields in the future for humanity to... Now everyone essentially is enslaved under the host rule is a tough pill to swallow, but it is such an exciting setting. You know, the, the, the fact that we were kind of duped all along to, okay, the entire season, we talked about this in our, uh, our preseason podcast, Josh, is like, all right, just going to be two sides, right? It's Halora's attempting to take over the world and then everyone trying to stop her. No, it's already happened.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so now
5: it's a bit of a fight in between. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of dystopian and post apocalyptic fiction already starts in the midst of that setting, right? Yeah. Uh, there was a reason why the Hunger Games did not sn- start with the President Snow prequel. Well, it's yeah, job they had of to like... save it for the prequel. <laughs> exactly. It's, it does a good job of, I think, planting us in the middle and like giving us those stakes so that it's less about, you know, the war occurring and more so about almost how do you restart another war? After the sort of uh, antebellum period has been settled in this new world,
4: the uh, the the whole Ozzy Mandius I did it 30 minutes ago of like I did it 23 mm. years ago mm. was kind of the vibe, uh, and yeah, you know, it was surprising and uh, like depressing. Uh, it's like Westworld, oh, can you man. Give us just like one possible ray of hope that uh, can all these people get along. Maybe not is possible.
5: Uh, what, so, what I wouldn't give for a farting Jeremy Irons in Westworld, I think that's, panace- Irons. that's the panaceo the season needs.
4: Yeah. LT is this show missing out on a flat, uh, flatulent Jeremy Irons. Is that something that we need, uh, in order to, to really boost the profile of season four of Westworld?
6: Every show is always already missing out on a flatulent. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. what was the, who is it again? Jeremy Irons. Uh, Jeremy Irons. Irons. Irons yeah. Um, of course, you know, that could be good. Um, <laughs> another thing that could be good, though, is not having Holoris take over the entire world. <laughs> because it's just very depressing. Yeah. On your Sunday evening. To you know, be like, all right, what am I setting myself up for? Oh, I know, it's you know, like Nietzsche level irrelevance.
4: Yeah, yeah. I to the point and Mike you you brought it up on the podcast and I didn't know about it and then I went back and and checked it out of like the sounds that are associated with like the 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 control over humanity the bomb Yeah, it
5: plays over the static it,
4: of of the HBO logo. Uh Latanya <laughs> as an HBO historian uh here on post show recaps, was that chilling for you that it was so pervasive the glorious takeover that it took over the
6: home box office logo? I I think that's really cool. Uh, I I really love it when um, people are always asking me if I'm like a more visual person or a more sound-oriented person. And my answer is always a los dos. Yeah. Um, I I love it when um, there are creepy sounds. There are sounds that like you would, discordant sounds that you wouldn't typically hear um, that play and kind of like show us how easily we could be put in our place because people really do get, can get conditioned by that kind of thing over time. Um, it's all just too much of I'm irrelevant, <laughs> you know, uh, for a Sunday evening sometimes, but then, yeah. you know, it's okay because we ask ourselves the eternal first question. is Mave Okay. Yeah. Like as long as Maeve is doing Okay. Then I can keep on trucking, I think. Um, but if if Mave is not gonna be, you know, up and around soon, then I don't know what to say. It's well, fair. Yeah, may, and may,
5: I... Maybe are you okay? She is okay. She's okay, maybe. And I think this smooth criminal is going to be coming back. She's a little dusty. It's now LaTanya
4: who is double face palming at this moment in time, uh, just to to narrate the visual. Um, Mike, I know that our third talking head, typically on the Westworld podcast, your friend and mine, the great Joe Garfine, uh, has been messaging you, and I feel slightly jilted that I'm not getting these messages myself, uh, about concern for is that it for Maeve? Uh, Are they just going to recover the Maeve brain ball and that's going to be it for for Maeve. I don't think that that, I, I really hope that that's not what's going to happen. Uh, I think that seeing Maeve back on the show proper uh, and not seeing Maeve back on the show proper would be, uh, it wouldn't be Westworld for me anymore without Maeve.
5: No, I think she and Evan Rachel Wood, I would say are the two that are probably most associated with this show, with I would say Jeffrey Wright and Ed Harris, perhaps in like a tied second place. So I don't think it's happening. I think you'd miss out on the opportunity to also reunite caleb and mave as we spoke about on the recap proper listen bernard's body survived 23 years just sitting in a motel room like yeah she might be buried in some rubble but it's proven that these host bodies are like near indestructible so yeah i have confidence that they're gonna be able to bring her back online in some way shape or form even if she's not there corporeally If they put her brain ball in somebody, you got to imagine the Tandaway Noon still going to appear in like a ghost Ford like way. They're not getting rid of her anytime soon. My friends.
4: Latanya, if there was anyone who uh, Maeve's brain ball could be inserted inside to wander around as the new Maeve. Is there anyone, is there anyone out there, whether they're on the show or just a human on earth?
6: I don't want a new Maeve. Uh (laughs) I want the Maeve that we have now. Yeah. Um, I can't think of
4: Elise Sizemore. Mave would be so horrific. Uh, huh. I would not oh, God. want to like anything that like that.
6: St- it's like that Steve Martin
5: movie, right, where he dies and he has to share consciousness with like some random woman. <laughs> My my is, Blue Heaven is maybe is what that it's only called? Or
4: Only Murders in the Building, I think. Is yeah, the, sorry,
5: I spoiled the end of season two. It was Only Murders story, in the Building where Steve Martin the gets killed and has of. to share his body with Selena Gomez.
4: It's the story you're thinking of. Uh, we've got a lot of feedback to clear through here. Let's get into some of it. We want to give a big shout out to Brendan Fitzpatrick, uh, who has collated all of this feedback. And so I want to give it to Fitzy first and foremost. A very simple uh, piece of feedback from Fitz that I think – uh, is is worth chatting through. He said that this episode oddly felt like a finale in the best way. Um, Latonya, did this episode, like, could you imagine the world where that was the end of Westworld, that it had sort of this, is very like Twilight zone uh, the ending of this episode, it feels like. There's sort of like a, it's not fair quality to it.
6: Yeah, there's also, it's Twilight zone there's a Black Mirror component as well uh, to this. It just... Um, i can see a a world in which this could be kind of the perfect finale for this show um so it's interesting that it's just the middle of a season you know i guess that gives should give me more hope for the humans um the the non-infected humans i guess um because it's a parasite that they get right yeah Which is terrifying. The idea that they thought to have it grow in symbiosis with children is one of the most terrifying things ever. And children are terrifying.
4: (laughs) Um. Terrifying enough on their own. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mike, you know, the kids, they're
5: the carriers. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Listen, uh, cold and flu season is no joke when it (laughs) comes to children. So listen, Holoris, uh, and honestly, the perverted part of it all is that there's probably a non-zero chance that like the mother part of her got this idea right that like having a son on her own albeit for a short portion of time before he blew up in that car in season three she was allowed to touch it to that part that allowed her to separate from Dolores in particular in season three and now like use those almost motherly instincts as part of this grandmaster plan it is deliciously evil.
4: Yes, uh, so tasty. Uh, not that tasty. The flies are pretty gross. It is impressive, <laughs> Latanya, that uh, Westworld. I, I thought that we were kind of inoculated to like, oh yeah, another pandemic of some kind. They managed to make it pretty gross that like you're getting like you're oh, controlling yeah. all of humanity via literal flies that are invading your bodice.
6: Flies are are terrifying in and of themselves. Um, I always terrifying. Think they are. I, they're just—they're kind of like a symbol of things not being like as clean as they should be, um, and I—whenever I, there's a lot of flies around, it's—it's it's not a great situation. So, I personally have a fear of them. Um, so these scenes, uh, especially the one where Caleb's uh, daughter's head kind of like opens up, yeah, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's horrifying, but also visually stunning at the same time um yeah it's just it's something the idea of it all being something that could plausibly happen to us is I think the biggest issue that I have here because there's always kind of like an information control that happens around uh pandemics um we never really know what's going on uh nowadays like even with it's just something that could plausibly happen it's it's one of the human weaknesses that occurs that would allow like ai to actually take over so for me it's it the whole thing is like kind of creepy and scary and i love that vibe it's like watching a little mini horror movie every week
4: yeah which is totally your jam yeah 100 percent
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Everything is more exhilarating when you're on your motorcycle, just like your bike is more protected when you choose Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. They offer coverage for your bike, starting as low as $75 per year. And they keep things affordable with discounts like paid in full, multi-policy, and responsible driver. So raise your kickstands and get to quoting at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. $75 premium is for state minimum coverage. Not available in D.C. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
1: This episode is brought to you by Bumper.com. Buying a car doesn't have to be so intimidating. Bumper.com is here for you, the buyers. With just a few clicks, it can help give you a comprehensive vehicle report that highlights any red flags. So wherever you're buying a car from, whether it's a dealership or a used marketplace, you can go in knowing Bumper.com has your back. Make your car buying experience smoother and smarter. Check out Bumper.com slash podcast.
4: Let's talk about um, what Charlotte Hale is after with the big twist of this episode, uh, or at least one of the components of the big twist of this episode. It's not just that we are 23 years down the line uh, and humanity has been taken over, but Aaron Paul as Caleb was killed 23 years earlier, and he is on his 278th iteration of being brought back online as some sort of host entity carrying Caleb's human consciousness. We are moving forward on the Papadelos path that was uh, first introduced Back in season two, this attempt at uh, basically achieving some semblance of human immortality. And I think there's a lot of questions as to um, why this is happening specifically with Caleb. This was written in by Jared. Jared asked, so now that Hale is in total control, why is she trying to create a host version of Caleb with fidelity? Why on earth does she think that's a good idea? Uh, Jared posits the following guess. Jared says, I think it's because she knows Frankie is coming after her and thinks that turning her father against her will give her pause. But the season will end with host Caleb revolting against his programming with the assistance of Maeve and turning against Hale. Um, do we have any thoughts between the three of us as to why Charlotte would want to bring Caleb back online and why she was targeting Caleb so specifically in the first place?
5: I mean, you look at the beginning of season four, uh, I'm sorry, in episode four, right? When she is talking to Caleb as he's being submitted to by the flies of like, she had interest in him as her pet because both Dolores and Maeve showed so much interest in him. So I think actually, well, Jared brings up an interesting point with Frankie and I think there's a non-zero chance that like she would have tabs on some sort of possible insurgency happening and trying to nip that in the bud. If indeed, Josh, you and I have posited a lot, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to get LT's thoughts about the Dolstina of it all. If Christina exists now, if this is indeed not a simulation, and she's existing in the now New York alongside everybody, Caleb was a pretty big cornerstone of Dolores at the end of season three. So it could be this idea of bringing in various people in her life, be it a teddy like we saw in this episode, be it a caleb as well to try to i don't know make christina submit under holoris's will at the end of the day i'm not terribly sure but i think if we're asking about like a why there is a christina sized piece on the board that could also be something important to caleb as well
4: do you have thoughts on this lt why caleb of all people is it just because uh, we need to go 23 years into the future of the show and we can't do that without bringing aaron paul along for the ride
6: well, having Aaron Paul along for the ride is a pretty tempting, you know, thing to have. Um, he's been doing great this season, I think. Um I I I kind of think it's maybe if because we when we see him run out of the building, it's the same building that we'd seen Christina go to work in, right?
0: Yeah.
6: So, um it could be that he's like there kind of to spark something in Christina slash Dolores because they need or Hale wants the possible like competition um, to be strong, I guess. Maybe she wants them to up their ante and thinks they need kind of like an advocate for humanity um, on the AI side. Yeah. And this yeah, is it, all about yeah. like, you know, getting Christina to that point where she is that person or, you know, that like total mix of what ai believe should be going on and like a mix of human concerns as well um i think that kind of like letting caleb loose to try to spark something in christina might be the only reason that he's kind of kept there that and like a morbid fascination that Haloris has um because of like you know to your point earlier mike um because you know, both Maeve and Dolores found Caleb to be special for some reason. Um, So she has, Dolores has control over so many things, um, but there's still things that she doesn't know. And I think that that kind of like really gets to her. Um, And so she tries to keep some semblance of the past around in order to inform her future decision-making.
5: And that's a page right out of the Dolores playbook, right? We look at one of the final scenes of season two, when Dolores brings Bernard back to life outside of the park and essentially explains to him, like, I need you to be my neutralizer in a way of like, we both need each other for what I'm going to do next. Now, granted that doesn't necessarily play out that much in season three, but it is certainly something that Dolores and many versions of her have in their playbook, right? This idea of balance, I believe. And while, it would be a pretty stupid move. Uh, Haloris <laughs> has shown in the past that she is not necessarily she, her emotions, ironically, can sometimes overwhelm the logic. We talked about this a couple episodes back, Josh, with like the why the hell are you keeping the human version of the man in black alive just to like torture him slowly but surely? He's eventually going to escape. Uh, I guess we'll find out if he escapes 23 years from now, right? But I think it's a very good point, Latanya. Of it also could be a possibility of. All right, she's the one that's sending Teddy. She's the one that's, you know, pu- painting the maze on the balcony. She wants Christina to wake up because this is like a presence that she needs in her life in order to, to craft this new world order.
4: The um uh, you just touched on something that Jared continues talking about in his feedback back actually uh, Jared said, have we discussed the possibility that Hale lied about human Caleb dying and that he's actually tied up like the real Ed Harris is. It seems unlikely to me, but I don't think we should rule it out. Uh, well, Jared, we haven't talked about that. I think mm-hmm. we can talk about it now. Latanya, would that just be? Westworld's a really complex show. Uh, yeah. Like, you could be paying really close attention and you're still mystified. You could yep. be podcasting about it maybe even twice a week and still <laughs> basically have no idea what's going on. Um, even with that sort of like base expectation, and that's the reality we live in as Westworld fans and the people who have stuck with the show, we're sticking with it either. Some of you probably out of obligation, most of you hopefully because you like this headspace and this is fun for you. Mm -hmm. Would this be too twisty? So, like, have it turn out that this reveal at the end of episode four, you died 23 years ago and you're a robot now, uh, then comes undone or gets joined at some point later on down the line in season four with a real reveal that actually, Caleb, you're uh, alive and you're in the basement and you're next to you're in like the circle thing next to Ed Harris, who is also still alive.
6: I don't know if they would have showed off that technology if they weren't going to use it, you know, quite a bit um, as part of their strategy for keeping the populace under control. Um, you know, they showed us that they could do that with the man in black. Um, and I think it's very well something that they would do to other kind of anomalies as, as they kind of, or outliers as they would mm-hmm. see them um, just to try, because they're, you know, outliers to society are important for us to know about just on a, like a sociological level. Um, I I, am terrified to think of what human beings are, uh, like our purpose is um, at this point when Holoris has all of this control. Um, but everything about what she's doing is terrifying. To yeah. Me, you know?
4: Totally. I, I also just want to throw out this uh, sentiment that I have. I'm not saying that I would rather see an Aaron Paul television character be dead. But oh, no. I do think I am kind of saying... I don't need to see another Aaron Paul television character trapped in a basement for an extended period of time. I think and they I'm can't good. keep doing this. I can't, they can't, they can't, I can't keep, getting keep getting away with, away it. with it. I Are think sure? I'm good. I think I'm set on all, right. all of that. Yeah. Um, can I but can I think can I, with throw Tanya, I think Latanya brings up a really good point about uh, like Maybe they would want to keep Caleb alive because maybe he's got some some info that uh, perhaps they would want to like mine from him. And maybe, you know, having him come back in host form would be the ideal way of unpacking whatever it is that Caleb knows. But in case that's not working, why just throw him away when you could heal his wounds? We've seen, you know, like the man Mm -hmm. in black was riddled with bullets in season two, and he was able to uh, survive that they could heal up Caleb if they uh, stormed the gates and shot him. Why wouldn't they just keep him imprisoned if they've got that technology? If yeah. he was like the leader of the resistance, Mike.
5: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why essentially put him on ice for 23 years. My mind was sparked when LT mentioned outlier because there is something, Josh, that, you and I didn't talk about in the recap. Uh Jay, Daniel Wu's character and Stubbs. They said they were off to go take care of, I think they said like a female outlier, right? Uh, A person of interest. I mean, there's a very good chance that's Christina, is it not? Again, assuming the simulation theory is not true. And so we're going to see NYC stubs next week. And maybe that's how some of these pieces finally start coming together with Christina getting involved in the main story.
4: Uh, if it's not uh, set to seeing Luke Hemsworth fly into New York with New York, New York playing, then I don't want it.
5: On the like a piano. Ramin Djawadi player piano
4: in <laughs> New, New York, New York is exactly what I need.
5: Yeah. Wow. Or uh, Empire State of Mind.
4: <laughs> yeah. uh huh. I feel like that ha- has that not been on the show yet? That feels like I can hear it.
5: What, Alicia Keys, Empire State of Mind on player yeah, piano?
4: That's going to be the end of the season.
5: I don't think so. Uh, conky Jungle, where dreamless sleeps are made of. Yeah. There's nothing you can do because yeah. the hosts are here.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's good. I think that uh... good. Um, okay, I think seeing Stubbs and Jay in, in New York would be would be fun. How do you feel about Stubbs, Latanya, just as a non sequitur? <laughs> you a Stubbs fan?
6: Stubbs is great. Yeah. You know? He's one of the Hemsworth's. Yeah, one of three. Yeah. So I I've always liked Stubbs. Uh e- even I I he's robot Stubbs now.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. he's been a robot okay. for a little while. Yeah. yeah.
6: He's just kind of lovable now, and is like, "How? Like, what? What should I order from this restaurant?" Yeah. Oh, you finally woke up.
4: Oh, yeah. I did mean if I didn't bring this up on the recap uh, on Sunday night, which would make sense because a lot happened. Uh, I did have this very strong take um, that if uh, you are at a restaurant and you sit down. And on the menu, they say, we've got the world's greatest pastrami melt. And you are like really psyched about that. And then they tell you, sorry, we don't have that. But we have an okay tuna melt. That's like a disaster, I feel like. And he's like, I'll settle for the tuna because Bernard told me I would. I would not settle for the tuna. I would say I'm mad that you said you had the world's greatest pastrami sandwich and you lied about it because you don't have it today. and I'm not going to settle for your tuna.
5: So you would be like a total Karen in this circumstance. Yes.
4: Yeah. You'd I would Karen be the one my way lead. out of that restaurant.
5: Gabby, <laughs> yeah. you be the leader of that Great. resistance against the yeah. diner to be like, yeah. excuse you. This yeah. is a menu item. I'm not settling for your crappy fish sandwich in this landlocked. Rufanya,
4: I'm going you're all the, the way leader, in against the, the pastrami tower. Yeah. You're,
6: you're the leader we deserve at these times. Yes. My priorities are straight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Don't go around broadcasting your pastrami if you've got none. Don't do that.
4: Bad form. Why would you do it? Uh, Can we talk a bit more about Charlotte and her motivations? Uh, Speaking of Karen, this is from Karen B., uh, who I assume would not just storm out on a restaurant because they said that they have the best pastrami sandwich in the world and they didn't actually have a pastrami sandwich, but I'm making an assumption. Uh, Karen B. writes in and says, we can understand why humans would want to create fidelity-tested robot humans to achieve a sort of immortality, but what do you think Charlotte's motivation is for doing so? Uh, Especially with Caleb in particular, we've talked about that piece of it, but I do want to just like address it more Broadly, do we have any thoughts? Obviously, why she would want to infect humanity with flies and turn them into veritable hosts of their own under her control—that all tracks. That all makes sense to me. Latanya, why would she want to bring humans back to life in robot form? Is there like, is there like, sort of like a broad-reaching end goal that you could imagine for someone in Holoris's position?
6: I, I don't know what the broad-reaching end goal would be but i've would never have in a million years imagine that the twist that we got this week was something that was going to happen either yeah. you know what i mean um i just i i just kind of keep going back to we've all it's always been kind of a study of humanity this show and i i genuinely think that there are things that hilarious wants to know about human beings that they don't and they are happy to kind of experiment i guess in order to find out and sometimes you know you feed what the thing that like you know could lead to your downfall yeah um just by having too much hubris um i think that's something that we are possibly getting set up to see here just in terms of holores kind of coming to regret, you know, having kind of kept certain people around as playthings. Yeah, you know?
4: I mean, to like further the the fly metaphor, right? Like, is it pulling wings off of, right? Is that yeah. basically what she's doing, Mike? Is this like uh, the bug under the magnifying glass on a really hot day? Is that, is that the reason why she would continue investing in this technology? Because she can strike back against people that she either hates or she can, uh, you know, further examine, so, like a part of me was really interested in you, Caleb, and I would love to know why. Uh, like, is it just like that curiosity that nagging is it this sort of thing that is highlighting that push come to shove yeah the the robots the hosts they're alive as well because they are they too are capable of atrocious behavior
5: i don't know i think it's really as simple as like the positions are swapped you know the humans wanted the hosts back in the westworld days to for their bidding shouldn't they want like humans uh, to do the same for them And the problem with humans right now is they are squishy, uh, you know, sacks of goo that only last a certain number of years. But hey, if you happen to have a human host hybrid who can last forever, fantastic. That means you have an indentured servant who lasts as long as you do. So I think it's just a matter of like durability of if you're making an investment in a form of livestock in a manner of speaking, uh, that I would much rather go with somebody who is uh, going to carry out past the war on tea than someone who's guaranteed to die Not the war on going. tea. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, on Tandoori Nguyen.
4: Uh-huh. I thought you meant like tea, the drink, that that's outlawed alongside the pastrami sandwich in the future. Then I'm really getting up in arms.
6: What's happening? A lot is happening. <laughs> A lot is
4: happening. Uh, this is from uh from Nick. Nick had written in. Uh, this is Nick's first season of Westworld that he is watching live, uh, and he is saying that this episode just felt so quintessential Westworld. I absolutely loved it, uh, and I'm wondering where in the world they go from here. Nick has a a question that I think is worth us chewing on, and I know we tried to a little bit on the recap, Mike. Nick asks, uh, or posits rather, I'm still not convinced that Christina's storyline isn't in the past rather than the future. Not saying it is. I'm just saying that the, clo- that the door is not closed. She could just be on a fidelity test of her own like Caleb. Um, Latina, do you have a feeling of where Christina's storyline is falling in the timeline? When we see Caleb run out into the streets of New York, you see Olympiada, the logo for that in the building, mm-hmm. which connects with Christina's place of work. Uh, you would think that maybe that is uh, like, okay, so it's just as simple as Christina's not in a simulation. She's somewhere out there. Robot Caleb can run into human Dolores. Uh, maybe it's going to be something like that, but is that reductive? Are we ruling out uh, a possibility that Christina exists on a different point in time than where we seem to have converged otherwise in this 23 years later timeline? Uh,
6: see, it's difficult because I, I, it's that's a really difficult question for me just because um i do believe that whatever is happening to um christina is happening in two timelines kind of like what happened the first season uh with dolores um because we got kind of that shot of the um the like what was it the um mental health facility that right. was uh like dedicated to the person that she Theater. wanted to be, yeah dedicated yeah. to um and that was something that had not been in use in such a long time so i think that there's something happening in the past and then whatever the future plot line is could be the 23 years later where caleb is there um timeline
4: yeah um, do you have thoughts on this at all, Mike, that have uh, developed since we last spoke on Sunday of where you think this Christina story is falling in terms of where we seem to have left off? Uh, is it as simple as Caleb is walking around in the same world that Christina is walking around in? Or are we in for a big swerve?
5: I don't know. I'm still maybe I'm. it's like holding out hope in a manner of speaking because this was a bit of a flag that I planted like in the beginning of the season but I am with Nick here that it could be as again quote-unquote simple as this is Christina's sort of test for fidelity and the reason why for example she goes to the mental institution and Peter has seemed to be dead in this environment for a number of years as opposed to him just dying means that it is a loop that she is going through in the past and that's why things seem a little odd with the timey-wiminess that would make sense the question is who is trying to get fidelity out of her or getting her to wake up is it holoris is it bernard yes from that capacity could this be actually in the future but she's living the past in a manner of speaking
4: So to that point, Mike, uh, to the point of who who would be trying to achieve fidelity from Christina, got a lot of thoughts about that from the listenership. Zach had written in, is the resistance trying to recruit Christina? Remember the maze drawing from the first episode on her balcony? Bernard used that to get in with the resistance. So the new theory is that new Teddy is with the resistance and is watching over Christina to try and get her to help them with Maeve. Do you think that that is something that the resistance is actively involved in, Mike, the awakening of Christina? You think that Christina could be the outlier at the very least that's on the radar?
5: I mean, I think that uh, it would be something that would be the best challenge for Holoris, would it not? Uh, She can only be matched by her equal, essentially. Now, it's tough because Christina's starting a few paces back considering Mm -hmm. she has to wake up and everything, but I think it makes sense. Dolores was so multi-ultra powerful in the past three seasons that the only person that could take down a version of herself would be herself.
4: Yeah. Uh yeah, I think you wanna take down Charlotte Hale, who is secretly Dolores, who is better to take her down than Christina, who may also secretly be Dolores. Um we've got some thoughts on that as well, Latina. You wanna hear some feedback from the nomadic interloper? I sure do. Uh, The Nomadic Interloper (laughs) writes in, first and foremost says, great job with the podcast. Well, Nomadic Interloper, we thank you for the compliment. Uh, Nomadic Interloper uh, wants to come in with my theory, they say. I think Christina is set in a future time period after Maeve, Caleb, and Bernard have saved the world from Charlotte. My theory is Christina is a reprogrammed Charlotte, be it in the real world or in a simulation. The presence of Teddy makes me think it's the sublime. I believe that Charlotte is being reprogrammed into her prime self, Dolores. This may be a necessity after the destruction of the machines that create the host. In this case, Dolores was the first host and Christina is the last. This may also explain all the discomfort Christina is feeling, much like when Dolores Hale had to pose as Charlotte. This would be Charlotte's redemption arc. Do we like the idea of Charlotte, who exists as a copy of Dolores, who has gone a different way than Dolores Prime, coming back to being more like Dolores Prime? Uh, and that this is something that is happening, like, after we kind of resolve the Charlotte has taken over the world situation. It's a lot.
6: <laughs> LT is just taken aback it's right lot. now. That's I'm not. Lot. I told you I'm not smart enough to be on this podcast. No. Nope.
4: You are uh, the literally smartest person on this podcast. So that's <laughs> yep. unfortunate for the rest of us. <laughs>
5: Well, I guess the uh, the so would it just be that the only reason why it's Charlotte is because like that's the last vestige of Dolores that is left. Like all the other brain balls have been do- gone, and she's the only version of Dolores yeah, that's left. Yeah, maybe.
4: I mean, she is Dolores. Uh, you know, she's not. She's a version of Dolores, but she is Dolores. You know, it's it's complicated because it's Tessa Thompson and she played Charlotte Hale, and she's posing as Charlotte Hale. We don't know what she's going by twenty three years down the line. Maybe she's renamed herself. Uh, but it's just easier to call her Charlotte. But that's not actually Charlotte Hale. That's Dolores. So if this is Dolores, can we bring her back to like, is there a factory reset button Latanya? on these hosts? Can we just bring them back to square one? Is that something that they're going to
6: try and do? Yeah, you know, maybe Christina comes and takes Haloris on, you know, us like a eat, pray, love kind of journey. <laughs> and she realizes that she doesn't have to hurt people anymore. Uh-huh. She can just sip wine in Tuscany. Yeah. Um, With and- Diane Lane? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got Emily
4: to watch again. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
6: Uh, I i guess it could be a way like a means of coming back to yourself like uh holding yourself accountable when you've deviated too much from the path um and putting in safeguards maybe to stop yourself yeah when you know when you can't stop yourself
4: yeah uh yeah i don't know there's some interesting metaphorical stuff there to mine for sure yeah.
6: There is some interesting stuff, though. I would push back a little bit
5: from Nomadic Interlopers, like, comparison of, okay, Christina's feeling a lot of discomfort because just, like, the way that Holoris felt when she had to pose as Charlotte. I don't know. That's a little different to me. so had to be, like, go undercover, essentially. Christina's, right. like, feeling uncomfortable in her own skin. Uh, and I guess Holoris did as well. She was literally scratching at it. But it was more so, like, she had a part to play. Whereas Christina is having like her entire reality fall apart. It feels like two different circumstances there.
4: Um, We've got more theories about what's going on with Christina and who is trying to wake her up. If anyone, and there continue to be theories about Bernard being responsible, uh, the omnipotent Bernard right now. This is from Tony. Tony thinks "Um, I've been thinking of who left the maze painted on the floor of Christina's balcony. Since I watched that first episode, I think it's probably Bernard somehow. I also noticed that in Christina's painting in episode four, the tower is painted in black, but the actual tower is obviously white. The painting beneath it is of a realistic watercolor painting in perspective and linear, but the black tower seems to be added later. It's in in a different paint style. It appears to be oil paint drawn in a chaotic abstract style, and it extends up past the watercolor paper that the cityscape is painted on. It extends onto the empty canvas behind it. I think that was Bernard's doing somehow adding that tower to Christina's painting painted in black. So that any protocol that would make her not see anything at all would somehow be bypassed. Bernard is sending Christina messages. She has a part in all of this. It just hasn't yet been revealed. Mike, it's making the, the rolling stones relevant again. I know. There you I go. See we- Dolores and I want to paint it black.
5: yeah exactly i I think that finally we didn't get it in freaking temperance park but we got it here uh it's an interesting idea i mean about the idea of like why was it painted black i don't know part of me is like because it would stand out more as an image i think if it was painted white like uh i think people would be like wait what is that i have to turn up the contrast on my tv so i don't know if it's as simple as like well it looks different in this world than you know elsewhere but i do like the idea that if Bernard is behind this, which he probably is the most leaning candidate for if this indeed is some sort of like simulant uh, or a simulated narrative thing that she, this would be like the, the signals that they keep sending her, right? Again, I go back to the fact that she was up late painting, but like doesn't really realize right. what she painted. T- tapping into that subconscious, that unconscious really speaks to the fact that like I think somebody might be trying to impact her in her subconscious, in ways that we saw all the way back in the first season with Arnold, right from the yeah. the the was it the voice of the gods, uh, you know, going down to the the voice of oneself. The bicameral mind was that. That's it? what it is. Yes, yes, yes. Back
4: in the day, oh my gosh, everything old is is new again. Um, Latina, can I ask you about Bernard and how Bernard is God now? Uh, do you like that <laughs> Bernard is now God? <laughs>
6: Bernard has always been my god. (laughs) Um, (laughs) no, I I, so I love Bernard. Um, he is probably my second favorite character after Maeve. Um, I just you know, since the season one, that doesn't look like anything to me. I was my mind was blown, and I was like, whatever version of Jeffrey Wright we get is fantastic yeah um so i love the work that he is doing as bernard i kind of think it's funny to have the it it, it's good to have like that comedic aspect of he kind of knows everything that's going to happen before it happens yeah um because you need that kind of levity sometimes sometimes during this show because it could be really depressing if you just kind of sit back and think about it um but yeah you I, I love the idea that Bernard kind of has all of the answers and knows the quote unquote end game, I guess, <laughs> based on all of the scenarios he's run through his head. Yeah. Um, and as long as things happen in a certain sequence, then he knows that he can save the world. So I guess that's good.
4: Um, are we gonna be like uh caught in a moment at some point in a couple of episodes, Mike, where Bernard's just gonna go, uh oh. And everyone's like, what? He's like, uh, yeah, this is like one thing that everything really needed to go perfect and this thing is like, we're dead. It's over.
5: Yeah. Oh, your shoe got untied. Well, we're boned. Oh, That's it. No. Everyone's heads are going to explode. That's yeah. it. Well, I don't think what we realized when we were talking, Josh, about the, the bug, the scarab that he found, apparently that was part of like that copious flash, the flip book of, of things that he saw while he was in the sublime. So again, I don't know if there's meaning to be ascribed to the bug proper, but it seemed like this was one of the things that I am assuming that the flashes we saw in episode three are the good ending in a manner of speaking to use like video game parlance, right? Like how do you unlock the good ending? I think that everything we saw there from like the dusty version of temperance to all these other various sites uh, are part of what Bernard has to do and where he has to go in order to get the one in a million chance of things actually turning out. Okay.
4: The happy ending involving, uh, like, a fight clubbed out in New York City makes me mad. But, all right, we'll do what we have to do in order to get that happy ending. Um, let's talk about uh, the, the meaning behind what we saw out in the desert, the scarab of it all. A bunch of people wrote in about this. We'll throw it first to John. John says, hi, finally, I can write in on something I know. And I have it tattooed on my body. Uh, John says, oh! the, the, the ancient Egyptians used to think scarabs were eternal life. The reason why is that if a scarab got pregnant, it then burrows into the sand at dusk and dies. And then the egg hatches, a new scarab emerges. Uh, In the morning, uh, they would think that they would go down and then come back a new eternal life. They didn't know they had died. Anyway, this is probably meaning that someone may have died and that it was Maeve. And when she was dead, she's going to come back kind of like a phoenix. So that is John's take on the symbolism behind the scarab in the desert because i know we were a little mystified on it mike uh i like sort of the the metaphoric meaning behind that according to john
5: yeah uh and listen uh, i i would love to go true queen behavior of burying yourself underground and then dying so that your spawn may emerge anew i mean that would be fantastic and westworld does like to lack of a better term dig deep when it comes to symbolism especially animal symbolism i would just love a battle of the bugs of the scarabs versus the flies in this maybe scarabs are going to carry the 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 humanity's hope on it
4: i don't think we need bug battle uh in westworld i think bug battle is too too icky for me lt are you in or out on bug battle if we're going there in season four of westworld sounds like you're out
6: i don't want any bugs Uh. i don't want no bugs
4: yeah. Um, I only no. wanted if they also can do a "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" thing, mm. and so like they can go flying around on a bug.
5: I'm going to get on the bee, darling.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Maeve crying no. over Auntie. You don't want to see that. That's not something. Oh, that darling, we wanted- I
5: fell into cereal. Oh bother. <laughs> I don't know why she sounds like Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, I don't <laughs> either. Wow.
6: Maybe the Pooh. Uh huh. <laughs> It doesn't work. This is why I don't do accents. Yeah. Because it just never works. Uh, We've
4: got more, more beetle talk. uh, Sadly, not about the band, uh, but about the scarab as well. Christina, not Dolstina, writes in. Are you sure? I'm not positive. uh, Writes in and says, when Bernard found the beetle in the sand, I found myself intrigued. What was the importance of this small insect that led to the path back to our weapon? If it was a fly, it would clearly say Maeve was in the ointment, so to speak. But it wasn't a fly. And considering their invasive presence this season, it nagged at me. And so I decided to search for any symbolism and Eureka, the scarab beetle symbol has a very deeply spiritual and symbolic meaning in Africa, especially Egypt. The Egyptians worshipped the scarab. It is said that there was a vast meadow over which a huge beetle was carved, pushing the disk of the sun ahead of him. It symbolizes truth, regeneration and light. During the ancient ritual of mummification to preserve the bodies, scarab beetles and stone beetles were placed in the heart cavity of the dead while the removed heart was embalmed separately. Uh, God, I look forward to dying in a time that is not that. Uh, the tribes believe that insects played a huge role in human affairs. For example, the Death Watch beetle... Wow, that's such a metal phrase, by the way. Oh, the Death, yeah. Watch <laughs> Death uh, Watch uh, Beatles. Death Yeah, I want to see Eddie Munson uh, leading the Death Watch Beatles. Uh, sounds like oh just heavy God. metal covers of Paul, Ringo, George, no. and John. Uh, Help,
5: but you need some now. <laughs> helps, you, need
4: some, buddy. <laughs> you need some. You need some, buddy. Yeah. That's a good song. Uh, from us not of... talk about Eddie, okay? From, it's from too symbols... soon. From symbols of death to creation to the human soul, the beetle encounters meaning. Uh, It varies from culture to culture. A beetle flying in through the window or up a mountain trail is a good omen. Uh, The scarabus even entered into the symbolism of neo-Platonism. It even grew important in the symbolism of the early fathers of the church, so much so that the beetle was even likened to Christ since it turned vulgar into purity. Um, So a lot of great research from the listeners of the podcast this week about that scene in the desert. Uh, And I think all that, like, lines up pretty well with what we're getting from Bernard's story of there is, like, sort of this, I, I, he literally saw the burning bush, right? You know, he went to the lime, trees on fire. He's he's come back. He's come back with the word from on high, and he believes that he is going to die as a result of it. So uh, I think uh, all of this is lining up.
5: Not to mention that uh, at the end of season three, Dolores quite literally died for our sins as well. So in terms of like Christ-like allegories as well, uh, there's a chance that she might be resurrected. Though we could also go with, again, Occam's razor, that if there's this idea of resurrection associated with the Scarab, it's just referring to Maeve. That Maeve was buried underneath, much like the mama Scarab, and she will be born anew onto this new world.
4: Yeah. Um, well, hopefully, uh, and and listen, I don't need to see any more bugs, Latanya. But no. if they want to put wings on Maeve and she can fly, that's cool,
6: that would be cool, yeah.
4: If um, flying robot by the end of Westworld, we don't get one of those. This is a pretty missed opportunity, <laughs> yeah.
6: What are we even doing? Why here? did we even HBO? stick around
4: for however many years this has been,
6: <laughs> yeah. Let
4: the robots fly, you Let cowards! Let the robots fly, you yeah. cowards! It's mm-hmm. the most
6: important issue that we have facing <laughs> in, these, in these times. That's
5: totally uh, true. <laughs>
6: um, well,
5: that's going to be the big showdown, right? Is like, Hale thinks she's taken over, and then here Maeve comes in with dragonfly wings. Yeah. Like, oh, exactly. no. The one thing I didn't <laughs> account for, them being able to fly. They have yeah. the advantage. Yeah. Well, this
4: 23 years that you spent not developing wings for your robot backs. Uh, that's on you, kid. That's got nothing to do with well, me. Well,
5: then what happens though is that Hale does meet her in the air, standing upon a platform made of flies, all working together like an ant.
6: try and I are out on this. Yep. Yeah, we left. Yeah. Call this her. is why Fly I Patel. don't go camping. I don't want anything to do with nature. Mm-hmm. You know, I a nice outdoor mall is fine.
4: That's fine. But, you know, open air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, Do either of you have any further thoughts about this week's episode of Westworld or maybe any hot predictions for where we're going? Latina, do you have like a sharp take on what you think we might see here by the end of season four of Westworld, a character death, a character return, uh, any like wild and crazy theory that you've got before we close out for today?
6: Well, bring back Maeve. Yeah. Immediately, if not before, Mm -hmm. because, Tandy Wayne Newton is amazing and has been in this role since day one. And she just elevates everybody around her. Watching her play off of Caleb this season has been really, really rewarding. And to see them do it on what was like redressed from um the old Sweetwater set uh and then turned into Temperance was really cool. Like are you same- shipping them? Are you shipping me? Um, May- that's,
5: that's a great question. Are I we shipping mean, cave? Are we cave people? No, I'm putting a, I'm putting a boulder in front of that cave. Personally, going back to the Christ-like imagery, I,
6: we you know we know that Maeve left once before in order to protect Caleb and kind of like give him a chance at a normal life. Um, Good so, job, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> she's doing great. She's doing her best. Okay, um, but yeah, I I don't know if I ship them or not. Like sometimes you just want you just like to see a good old-fashioned duo like a partnership happen yeah um Mm -hmm. and develop on tv and it doesn't have to have anything to do with like feelings or romance though you know it does seem like she has feelings for caleb i think um you know because why else would she go through everything that she did end up buried in the desert for god knows how long yeah um yeah Obviously, she has some type of affection for Caleb. We'll see if that has any connection with the affection that Christina could have. Right. Caleb I think oh, this is like a, we're a in a love triangle we're in a lost
4: situation folks where I think generation yeah. lost indeed mm-hmm. uh where I think uh you know is it gonna be Jack and Juliet no Jack and Kate are OTP we gotta get Sawyer <laughs> and Juliet together I think Teddy Dolores OTP Maeve Christina the new hotness Maeve uh, and Caleb wow Maeve and Christina would be the new hotness for sure I but mean and Caleb that's what they're aiming at
5: Hatchlings know how much I absolutely adore revisiting those dynamics. And I yeah. say that dripping with as much sarcasm as sweat probably dripping off of Ed Harris in that Tron scene. Mike loves a love triangle. Destroy all love geometry is my opinion. Like, death <laughs> to the love polygons, please. Sure. Uh, let's just exist in a free, open, one-dimensional space. So, yeah, I talked about this on the podcast. I'd be disappointed with it just because I feel like with Maeve especially, so much of her journey was like her attachments to people like Hector, that it wouldn't necessarily map onto it for me. I think that Tandway New and Aaron Paul have really great chemistry together. Mm-hmm. I have yet to make that that ship jump yep. personally. it feels feel yep. a little too abrupt for me just given the Maeve character up to this point.
4: Um, I, I do not disagree. Uh, you know, a jury's out. I'll see what they want to throw at us, but uh, I don't need that. Don't need that at all um all right well i think that that's this week's episode of westworld we thank you all for writing in as always you can do that westworld at postshowrecaps.com. you can also tweet at us i'm at round howard mike is at a mike bloom type tweet at Latanya at lk starks and at post recaps as well you want to keep the conversation going with us and support the podcast at the same time you could go to patreon.com slash post show recap sign up for the discord talk to us in there about westworld and so many other topics as well we would love to see you in there latonya what else what do you got you're watching tv you got
6: th- some things you want to talk about there's some stuff going on um some stuff and some things i'll be st- um, joining the um already wonderful uh, cast of characters podcasting about blackbird and little apple tv show wild show um yeah just ridiculous show that i can't believe is actually happening really um really intense it, yeah very intense show uh which you can catch up on apple tv plus i'll be joining that podcast next week and then i was just on the crime scene over at rhap uh, with mari and sarah where we talked about um uh, the girl in the picture which is a netflix documentary that is just truly twisted in every possible way um, and that you should definitely watch before you listen to that podcast because you really have to you really lose all enjoyment for the actual documentary and if you know what happens beforehand so you don't want to spoil yourself Um, and then uh, i'll be doing a little podcasting about the emmys as well uh, oh, and yeah. nomination happen. uh so we'll be talking about that at some point this week and getting that out there soon nice uh yeah just like a lot of hanging out with grace really that's not a bad <laughs> thing. that's that yeah. is a dream that a is a good
4: dream. time pretty, pretty good wonderful. time uh mike bloom anything that you want to shout out you're working on so many things you want to like highlight one or two
5: yeah, I'm on my usual malarkey. I think the one thing I'd highlight is Survivor South Africa is back, back, back again. They are airing at a fairly alarming rate, four episodes a week, but it is an all star season. Uh, so far, it has been incredibly fun, devastating because we have personal investment in these players, but very fun. Uh, every week, Shannon, Gus, and I are going to do recaps of the entire week, much like she does for Australian Survivor on. Thursday nights and then on Fridays we are doing exit press with the people who have been voted out that particular week so yeah people are interested in watching some survivor you don't want to wait until the fall there's a South Africa waving at you right there across the way check it out check out our podcast as well as in addition to all the other stuff that we did Uh, Josh and I have to preview for the non-patrons, a uh, pretty brutal episode of Down the Hatch, but still yeah. very fun Welcome you back from Greece.
4: Yeah, the Down the Hatch wedding occurred. Uh, I'm still <laughs> reeling from it. I don't feel good about it. I you thought can we th-
5: weren't talking about love triangles, damn you it.
4: Can, you can hear it in the main feed on Friday, July 22nd. It is currently available for the patrons of post-show Recaps if you were a fan of Down the Hatch and you want to hear the tragedy. Uh, this is Really, I'm still not over it. I'm still pretty upset. All right, uh, that's going to do it for the podcast this week. We're going to be back in a couple of days recapping episode five lt as always an utter delight thank you for coming in Mm -hmm. and sharing some of your westworld takes we really appreciate it
6: thanks for having me this was so much fun
4: yes mike uh thank you as always to everyone out there listening to the podcast we appreciate you but now you can bring yourselves off bye
2: bye